Welcome to Mint, the corner of where crypto meets the creator economy. My name is Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. Before we kick off this episode, I wanted to recognize one of the NFT sponsors that's helping make Mint a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Near, and Solana with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3. Alina, welcome to Mint. Thank you for being on. After 100 tries, I think I think this is the one. What is going on? I think so. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. How are uh, you? I'm good. I'm good. So a lot of you may not know Alina from uh, the front of the scenes, but behind the scenes, you definitely know her. Okay, so really quick shout out. I got to say, you've been holding the fort uh, for all of Mint's newsletters. All the Sunday TLDRs uh, that you guys have been getting, and if you haven't been getting them, Make sure you head over to my Substack and subscribe. But every single Sunday, Alina sends out a highly curated newsletter of the juiciest, and we emphasize the juiciest headlines from Web3 around social tokens, DAOs, and NFTs. Um, and a lot of why I wanted to have you on today is because we've talked about curation here and there on the podcast, but not too intimately. And that's a lot of your expertise. So I won't introduce you. I want you to introduce you yourself, Okay. Um, so, Alina, who are you? What does the world need to know about you before we dive into curation? How did you get your start into crypto, actually? Okay. So, I, I started in uh, crypto about three years ago and NFTs about a year and a half ago. Uh, my background is in technology ethics. I was really passionate about, you know, the big tech, why these companies have these issues, you know, the problems with data privacy and fake news and echo chambers. So I was really interested in that. And then especially with data privacy, that naturally kind of led to crypto because it can, you know, the peer-to-peer systems can resolve some of these issues. And um, I, you know, got really interested in blockchain, start reading about it, learning. And then last year, probably January-ish, I found out NFTs, completely dove into the the rabbit hole and um, didn't look back since then. So what is it about NFTs that actually caught your attention initially? I just thought the ecosystem was so rich. You know, when I started, I, I like knowing um, all corners of things. And, you know, in my newsletter, I also talk about many, many newsletters focused on specific topics. But I like to mention, you know, gaming and music and fashion, uh, kind of different areas within NFTs. So I looked and, you know, there were DAOs and social tokens and NFTs and metaverse. And I thought it was so rich and definitely worth thinking about because I initially um, worked at a blockchain company three years ago uh, called Threefold Foundation, which is a layer zero peer to peer. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to bring Internet into underserved areas and their focus is more towards kind of um, underrepresented groups and different projects. But um, when I was working there in 2019, I didn't realize 
I couldn't see how people could u- utilize it, you know, the user interface, user experience side. So coming back last year, I realized, okay, now there's a use case, there's a way for people to interact with blockchain and and it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's been a lot of fun. Okay. But your your background specifically, you're from where? You're from Turkey, right? I'm from yeah, Istanbul. Istanbul, okay. And your whole entire family's from there, both mom and dad, right? Yeah. Okay. So how is it like growing up in Insta- Istanbul, right? And like, what is it about you and your upbringing that kind of led you to fall in love with technology and the ethical side of it? Yeah. I've always been passionate about tech. Um, I was I was passionate about Web2 companies and how they were utilizing and how they were finding not necessarily a human need, but a way to utilize the technology to make like a product amazing. And I have always noticed product features, you know, okay, Instagram has photos and then Vine comes in, makes videos and it becomes a thing. And then photo comes in with, you know, three H's um, and then they, they do GIFs. So like finding the, the gaps within the technology or things that are, that, that people didn't do before. And I was just always passionate about that. And, um, you know, growing up in Istanbul was really amazing. It's a beautiful city, but I was happy to, I was happy to move to New York to go to NYU because, um, you know, the tech is based in US and uh, I really wanted to dive into that here. Got it. Got it. So you also manage, okay, so you actually work at Vayner full-time, Vayner NFT, right? Yeah. Okay, and you also manage your own newsletter called NF Times, right? And you do yeah. Mint Sunday TLDR. What else are you involved with? Because I know you have your, your hands in a lot of things. Yeah, I, you know, I work full time at Vayner. Um, I, I've been writing NF Times since July and Mint, I think, since September. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I assist a lot of projects and people. Um, I really care about onboarding more people uh, into the space because the reason I even started my newsletter was I started reading about NFTs and learning more about them, but I thought this is such a complex and uh, fast space that a lot of artists especially don't really have the time to scroll through Twitter and catch all these news by themselves. So I wanted to create a resource for them. And I don't, um, I don't believe there was a NFT newsletter before I started it. I'm not 100% sure of that, but I didn't see any. And um, so I wanted to start a newsletter to provide value for them. And um, yeah, I think I think it's really important to make sure while we're at the frontier of this new technology and we're building, you know, Web3, we're building the next step in in, in the internet and you know, creator economy that we have people from different backgrounds, women, LGBTQ+, you know, people of color in positions of power and positions of having enough knowledge to act on these opportunities. Because when we have people in power from different backgrounds, that's going to have a ripple effect. So that really motivates me because I want to make sure, you know, women, uh, while there are 
many amazing women who are working in Web3 still represent underrepresented group. So how can we make sure to, um, how can I assist that? How can I be there for people to be a resource? So I mainly, I educate people a lot and um, I really try to onboard more people into the space. Yeah. Part of being an educator is being a curator, curating resources to educate people. And a lot of the, a lot of what I want to talk about today with you is you're really good at curating, hence why we collaborate and you lead a lot of the Sunday TLDRs. How do you think about the role of curation in Web3? Yeah, it's definitely important because I think in a lot of different industries, we have, um, you know, if you Google something, you're going to have an article written about it. But because the space moves so fast, and we don't really have, um, you know, it's established um, established industry. So it, it moves too fast. So you have to really make sure to uh, find right resources, right? So it becomes extremely important to have people writing about these. Um, because if not, if, if there isn't a article explaining what is Terra to you, for example, like you have to go through the documentation, read about it, understand it, and not everyone has that time or that interest. So I think um, having having resources that people can go to is extremely important. And then, of course, there comes the question of curation, because uh, what are you going to include? And every decision of what you're including is a decision on what you're not including. And I especially care about making sure I cover everything. You know, in my newsletter, I talk about music, gaming, um, fashion, NFTs, you know, kind of scrolling through the whole ecosystem to make sure I include everybody, but also paying attention to, you know, including people from different backgrounds and different projects and international projects, because we shouldn't have that Western-centric view within our, our little crypto bubble. Yeah. So can you walk me through your process of curating a newsletter, for example, right? A very basic, very simple example, because I want to I get your point of view and kind of compare that to what does curation look like on a macro scale. So that's like curation on a micro scale. What does curation look like on a macro scale? But to start on the micro scale, walk me through your process of actually curating a newsletter, for example. What does that involve? How do you find the topics to actually put together? Because that's what makes, <clears throat> excuse me, makes or breaks a newsletter, quite frankly. Right. If you're just posting like bullshit stuff and uninteresting stuff, then your subscriber rate won't go up. Your open rate won't go up. Your click through rate won't go up. And when you're building a newsletter, you're really optimizing for those things and creating like a full comprehensive experience. So curation on the micro level, what does that entail when putting together an epic newsletter? OK, yeah, I I'm not biggest fed up like clickbait and, you know, flashy things. Okay. Um so I, I, I really care about the, what is actually true. And I like putting my twist on it a little bit or like little humor because I think people appreciate that and it's fun to do so. But okay, essentially I have certain resources that I like to see um, that I like to check to make sure I'm not missing any news. So I usually scroll through the, those I mean, as a newsletter writer, I'm subscribed to about a million newsletter myself. So I read about those a lot um, and, you know, finding news from them that I that I think should be included. And just kind of general being on Twitter, 
you know, being on Discord, things that I see. I mean, I'm in the space 24-7, basically. So um, just from seeing there, everything I see and deciding what I should include. Um, I think to start, like, more generally, there is a skeleton for both Mint and NF Times. Um, you know, for NF Times, skeleton is different industries. So what is interesting to see, actually, is every week, some industries will have, you know, so many things happening for them and others won't have any important, you know, developments. And then the other week, it's going to be different. So that's fun to see. It's just, um, but, I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult, but... I think it's more about trusting your gut and and being conscious of you know you can't you can't cover yeah. everything but yeah. so I, I also want to talk to you about like sources of curation because as a curator you're pulling data from different sources right so when you're determining like a truthful or a quality source versus a non-quality source as a curator what does that look like from your point of view that's very important i think being truthful being making sure you do your homework to make sure you're giving accurate information um i like to provide links within the news so people can go and continue reading on their own because like we always say you got to do your own research you know you got to trust what you read but you also need to trust yourself more um yeah i think just making sure that you provide resources for people to see for themselves and if not providing data yeah you're also a big uh nft collector you're very you're very passionate about that can you talk me and walk me through some of your collections and what do you look for when collecting yeah i i love collecting i mean (laughs) it's just very fun um i well, my favorite is MFers for sure. Okay. <laughs> it's the favorite. I remember, you know what I remember? I remember coming across your, your profile um, early, early on, and you being one of the first people on my timeline to actually have that NFT. So props out to you. Before, I think a lot of the other mainstream people that like, kind of hopped on board down the line. How did you How did you come across that? I feel like that's like, that's like a, a valley that you unlocked through your creation uh, strategies and whatnot to kind of listen to the right voices and who's buying what uh, at, at the end of the day. I, am I right to think that? Am I wrong to think that? Um, partially because on one hand, I know most of the things that are going on. But okay. on the other hand, because I hear a lot, it's difficult to differentiate what's good and what's not sometimes. Right. <laughs> um, in terms of like, you know, buying for yourself uh, investment wise, I just don't have enough time to like track floor prices, you know, or um yeah like a full-time trader yeah um but it's just the the creator sartoshi was my favorite account on twitter ever Mm. so when he dropped it i was like i need this so badly (laughs) (laughs) how many did you get you you snagged one just one yeah just one okay and that's your identity online for for now and forever and for always at least as of as of this episode (laughs) so can you walk me through more of what you do at vayner as a curator yourself, okay, you obviously, you, uh, from what I understand, you do copywriting, right? So what yeah. what does that really entail? Because a lot of these these skills that bring crypto to life and it revolve around education and revolve around breaking something that's complex into many pieces, a lot of that comes through journalism, 
right? Beyond podcasting, beyond beyond micro content, like long form written content, which I'll give it to you, you're very good at. What does the day-to-day look like at Vayner when it comes to being a copywriter? Yeah. Yeah, you're right about, you know, right now we're so conditioned for 10-second videos. Right. Um, you know, I hope writing is not a dying venture, you know, dying industry because um, for at least our attention spans and our ability to like comprehend and dive deep into complex topics, we need longer articles and thought pieces, not just scrolling through TikTok or Instagram. But right. um, yeah, at Vayner, um, we educate, uh, we work with Fortune 500 companies, artists, uh, different brands, and we um, we educate them on Web3, uh, you know, different aspects of it, and we also help them launch their own projects. Uh, what we care about a lot is making sure that the entry is authentic. You know, people who work at Vayner are definitely degens, and <laughs> like they're amazing at what they do and completely in tune with the with the community. So. Um, that is extremely important to us, you know, for, for example, the Pepsi mic drop, which I was working on um, there um, compared to some other maybe brands entering the space, the, you know, the mint was free. There was so much, um, there was like so much understanding of the community and trying to take a step without trying to like cash grab or without trying to, um, I don't know, have a come come into the space with like a big agenda self-serving agenda so i think that's very important when brands enter the space because we are already very you know some people are very skeptical of that of big brands entering and um you know entering the conversation yeah um yeah and what i do i you know i i work on um a couple different clients uh i I work on like social copies, uh, internal and client facing decks. Um, yeah, but a lot of fun and really cool things are coming. What's it, what's it like working with big corporations in crypto? A lot of people that are kind of like used in, in, uh, what's the word I want to say adapt have, have become more adapt to web two. And now trying to make a name for themselves in Web3. Many times that fails. Like when you see like a celebrity, for example, from the Web2 who has a big Web2 audience try to do something in Web3, it doesn't necessarily always work out. And a lot of brands that really don't understand crypto culture have also failed, you know. Um, but from your point of view, Vayner, I guess from where you work too, Vayner really gets that. Like Vayner NFT, Avery, shout out to Avery who was on Mint, I think season three. Um, she gets that, you know, and from there has done like many successful things in the space. But you, you seeing that from, from a different point of view, what is that like working with, with big corporations, big brands and helping them craft their, their web three strategy? Yeah. Authenticity is, I think, very important. Working with big brands. Um, I think it's, it's really fun to do so because, these are huge old brands that are, you know, realizing the value in Web3 and trying to build long-term projects. I think that is extremely important. I think the key is not 
doing a drop just to do it, not doing a drop because um, you know you want to capitalize on that moment, but noticing the long-term possibilities from NFTs, from Web3, and wanting to be an early player. So taking steps to understand the community, understand what people want. And I think that's why working with Rainer is super good for you know different brands because if you work with a web2 creative agency their approach is going to be web2 based so i think that is extremely important when brands are entering this space yeah so let's talk like two three months from now okay or in general what are you most excited about in crypto specifically like in the future kind of thing like where is your head at i know you talk a lot about like tech tech ethics you know i think the way crypto is evolving and a lot of what crypto stands for is kind of like becoming the opposite of that at times when we talk about decentralization and we talk about um, uh, direct to the audience and we talk about removing middlemen, it feels almost as if like we're forming more middlemen, right? So from your point of view, what you're excited about in the future and how it pertains to tech ethics, like what, what are your thoughts about that? That's such an important point. I mean, we have, decentralization maxis right everything must be on chain but then that's way more gas fees um i was looking to the nifties for example new approach where they are um you know in the three step of um minting an nft they put the second step off chain as well which takes it away from decentralization a bit but saves you know 70 percent gas um i am really excited about future because I think NFT as a technology is hundred percent is going to be here, you know, long-term just forever. Um, but in terms of decentralization, you know, ethics, I think we are adding some middlemen while getting rid of some of them. And I don't know, it's, it's difficult because I, I agree that we can't just go to Web3, you know, some companies are going to be Web 2.5. Some will be Web 2.2, 2.8, whatever. So I think I, I, I'm okay with that because I think it's necessary for us to move forward. You know, it's a very new technology. Um, I love, you know, the comparison when cars, when the first Ford car was in, invented, uh, it was slower than horses. But, or, and if you ask people what they wanted, they would say faster horses. Uh, nobody would say a car, but, uh, you know, now we're here. So any new technology has to go through these phases of um, not being perfect, being expensive, being um, used by, you know, a select group of people before we get to mainstream. So I guess I'm I'm excited about mainstream adoption, but I also think we shouldn't let go of decentralization while we do that and i think we're moving so fast right now and it's just inherent to the space that we move you know light speed but i think the web 2 ethos of move fast break things we shouldn't have that here because we all know how powerful this technology is with everything being on chain with you know blockchain everything is completely there forever for everyone to see and it's run on code. So I think taking our time in building these platforms to making sure that 
we are serving everybody, we are inviting everybody to join and making sure these platforms are built with the values that we want to convey. Because I think that's what what's the major thing in Web2. The problem is people think algorithms are neutral. They're not. You know, they have a success mechanism. They have um, they have an opinion. The person who writes an algorithm puts an opinion into that that outcome. So when you're interacting with Instagram, let's say, the algorithm is showing you things with a purpose in mind. And that purpose is usually to keep you on Instagram more, to give you content that you love, uh, that you would want to see, or the content that's going to uh, bring up emotional response to you, that, whether that be positive or negative. Um, and how can we make sure that the, the goals, the re responses that these platforms are going to produce are aligned with what we're trying to do because Web2 companies didn't want to you know, make people addicted at first. It just came about because they became so big. They had to monetize advertisements. Um, ad, ad base model was the option to go, but we now, now know that that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> From a creator point of view, okay. What kind of ethics do we need to maintain in Web3 for creators? Like what, what are think, creators suffering like through in Web2, you think, that Web3 aims to solve, right? Or what are big corporations taking advantage of? Or how are they taking advantage of creators, right, that Web3 aims to solve in a more ethical light? And I guess this yeah. question is also very open-ended too to kind of, you can construct this question as well, kind of thing. To, to kinda, I, I want to understand your point of view around this entire thing. I think the main point, the main issue with social media platforms is all the value accrued on these platforms stay stay there. So people are unable to, you know, take their fan base from one platform to another, or platform is successful because of the content that these creators put there. However, they don't see any back or they see very little back. You know, I think YouTube is the one that, you know, gives most, but especially social media platforms, they, they take most of it. Um, so I think that's, that's an aspect of um, how creators can have a better deal with Web3. And... I think for creation part, um, making sure to involve wide range of creators too, because in so social media platforms in Web three, Web two, mostly algorithms make these selections, and you know with that kind of moves into AI ethics, but it's incredibly important because obviously it's very clear, you know. Everybody has biases. That's just a known, that's a psychological fact. Um, it can be, you know, you can be cognizant of it or not, but we have biases that we, that the, in real world, you know, that is existing. However, we want to make sure when we put all these thoughts and our, these perspectives into AI, that the real world 
biases don't reflect into AI. And I think that's an incredibly important topic right now in AI ethics. Um, there's even a documentary on Netflix about it, um, about face recognition and people of color. And um, yeah, and I think that's that's incredibly important how, how we can make sure to include people from all parts of life and give light into these people because Web3 gives us so much power and you know we can curate instead of algorithms and these algorithms are creating with a specific agenda in mind and as people you know while our space was, is small i feel like we can definitely do better but can we prevent that like can we stop that from happening do you think and how can we in terms of curation well, you said a lot of these biases that, that will kind of come into play and you hope that they don't turn out to be, I guess, like more of the dark side of, of what could happen with technology. Do you think we have a say in that? Do you think there's a way to control that? Of course. I mean, AI understands whatever data you put in. You know, it makes its own conclusions and then uh, uses that data to take it further. But initially, you put a certain data set in there. So... There are also, you know, different uh, companies and different uh, projects that are doing the, you know, looking at these different algorithms and um, asking for transparency, which is, you know, another aspect of Web3 that Web2 doesn't have. And it, you know, kind of talks about ethics as well, where you need to be able to see what's going on, etc. I mean, we can, we got to do our best. You know, we can't do 100%, um, you know, being cognizant of your own biases. Uh, it's it's scientifically proven that it helps to reduce bias. You can't just, you know, take it out, but being cognizant of it and taking steps for it, that's all we can do. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I guess before we, we wrap up, okay, before we... we we kind of like uh, wrap this episode. What can we expect from you in the coming months specifically? I am currently focusing a lot on um, creating more content aside from newsletter. So, um, you know, you can go subscribe to NF Times for sure. Uh, some some good content there. But I will be writing in a couple of different publications uh, about interesting Web3 topics and probably a bit more podcasts as well. Just, you know, doing more and more and more. Amazing. Alina, as always, pleasure. Um, Mint wouldn't be here without without your Sunday weekly contributions. So forever grateful for you and your work. Um, before we let you go, where can we find you online? Where can we find more of your writings? I'll put some stuff in the show notes as well, but kind of where, where can we find you on Twitter, most of all, and uh, NF Times? Of course. My Twitter is Elena underscore ETH. And um, there's a link on my bio, but NF Times is nftimes.substack.com. So yeah, thanks for having me. It's been really fun and you know, it's good to see you. Always good to see you. Thank you so much. And we'll have to do this again soon.